Life is fragile and unpredictable. Our world is volatile and our hearts feel vulnerable. It's time to face it. In one way or another, we all have fear. Fear is something that we come by naturally, but it's not our spiritual inheritance in Christ. So while fear clamors and rages in our world and in our hearts, the words of Jesus ring out deeper and more true. Do not be afraid. So what if our freedom comes not by suppressing our fears, but by bringing them to light? What if the opposite of fear isn't courage, but love? And what would it look like for that love to cast out all fear? Let's explore these questions together. Let's learn what it means to fear not. Well, good morning, Element. It is so good to have you guys with us this morning for worship. And it is my joy and honor to finish up our Fear Not series for today. Now, I have a little tidbit of information for you guys that you might not know. Did you know that that bumper that you just watched is actually, the music of it is an original composition written specifically for Element by one of our Element friends. So that's really cool. We love to uh, get the creative creativity flowing from wherever it may. So if any of you guys ever want to add something cool to a bumper or something like that, you let us know. So that's pretty cool. So I'm Pastor Melody, and we are going to finish up our Fear Not series today by looking at one of my favorite Bible stories. You guys are probably familiar with this story yourselves, and we're going to learn a few more things about fear. So we are going to be learning about when Peter walked on the water, or really when Peter tried to walk on the water, when Jesus walked on the water and Peter tried. And you know, it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago that I myself had some personal identification with what Peter might have felt like on that occasion when he lost control out on those waves. So let me tell you, a couple weeks ago, I was driving to the warehouse very early in the morning. I leave my house at like 530. I was driving up to the warehouse. It's about an hour drive. And as I was leaving my house, I saw like tons of lightning going on like in the distance, in the distance. And I was like, meh, I hope I'm not driving into a rainstorm, but off I go. So I'm driving along and I can see like I'm going to hit this storm, but whatever, it's Florida, it rains all the time. So I'm going along, I'm listening to my music, worshiping the Lord. And I, I will actually tell you exactly what song I was listening to. I was listening to that song, Build My Life. And the bridge of Build My Life had just started. And it says, I will build my life on your promises. You, it is a firm foundation. I will build my life upon your promises, and I will not be shaken. And I'm like in the song, in the zone, in the worship, driving into the storm. And suddenly, like, it occurs to me, it's really coming down out here. Like, I mean, I was being safe, both hands on the wheel, driving safely, but there was a thought, like, as, this, as these words are praying, you are a firm foundation, I will not be shaken. These words are playing in my ear, but I, I stopped thinking about them for a second, and I realized, whoa, this rain is for real. And suddenly in that very moment that my attention shifted to the fact that I was driving through a torrential downpour, my car suddenly started to hydroplane. Now, I've hydroplaned plenty of times, especially in this car, it just does that. Um, but this one was like more than a little moment and I realized like I'm about to have a crash <laughs> and I did spin several times down the interstate 
ended up flying backwards down the interstate, watching the cars coming towards me, and thank the good Lord, veered off into the side of the road and scraped my whole car on the bar barricade um, and came to a screeching halt. Now, good news is I was not hurt at all. The car was drivable. I sat there for a second like, whoa, that was a little crazy. And then I kept driving because I had to get to church. So, and I didn't want to sit there on the side of the road because like I was afraid other cars would hide a plane and come off the way. But the feeling of being completely out of control, like there was, there was nothing I could do with the brakes, with the wheel, there was nothing. This car was going to go where it was going to go and I was just praying that I would <laughs> survive. It was very scary. Um, but that ab absolute loss of control sort of feeling, I think that's one of the things that we probably fear most of all. Like when we search down to our deepest fears, a lot of it has to do with that feeling of a loss of control. And that's what I experienced that day. But as I was looking back on the experience, I realized like not that I'm saying that me noticing the rain is what made my car hydroplane, but I am saying like my eyes were on Jesus. I was in the worship of this song and my, my gaze shifted and then the accident happened. So we'll come back to that. All right, so today we're gonna think about Peter and how he must have felt when he was out there walking on those waves and suddenly began to sink, to lose control and what we can learn from his story. So thinking back a moment on our Fear Not series, because it's been really important. You guys, we are living in fearful times. I think we all know that, so we might as well just say it. Like, this is a weird time. We're kind of afraid of a lot of things that we haven't had to be afraid before. We're kind of having to make decisions that we've really never had to face before, and these can be fearful times. So I really hope that we're going to take what we're learning in this series, what God is teaching us, and engage with it because there is freedom to be found right here in these fearful times. So the first week of our series, we learned about while we are made to be free of fear, that doesn't mean without fear, right? We have fears. We are human, and God knows that we have fears. And so his invitation for us to be free of those things doesn't mean we're not going to have them anymore. It just means we're going to learn what to do with them. And so we talked about noticing our fear and then learning from our fear. And then the next week, Brett taught us about boldness, boldness. And we learned about these two juxtaposing stories, right, of the group of Israelites who was about to go into the promised land, and they just weren't bold enough to do what God was asking them to do. And they didn't see the promised land. And then we learned about David, who did choose the boldness, and who said, I will go fight this giant even though I have no idea where the sword's going to come from. He believed, he trusted that God would provide the sword. And so we learned about boldness. And then last week we learned about Psalm 23. And we learned about how God is with us, is present in this epic quest of our lives and how the valley of the shadow of death might not be as scary as we think it is. Where we, it might be the place where we can really meet the shepherd. And we learned about the new covenant, which invites our enemies to the feasting table right? That was pretty beautiful and pretty amazing. So now, with the knowledge that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, we're going to look one more time at fear. And we're going to talk about something that is very important in the discussion of fear, and that something is courage. Courage. 
Now, we're going to differentiate between boldness and courage for just a moment today, but we're going to talk about courage. And you've heard us say again and again through this series that the opposite of fear is not courage, it's love, right? We've talked about love, and we've realized that love motivates us from a deeper place than fear ever can. And we've talked about the fact that love is the plot of the one true narrative of redemption, right? And we've talked about how love drives away our fear every time. So then if courage is not the opposite of fear, what is it? What is courage? Let's think about that for a minute today. And kids, if you didn't get a handout, I believe we have handouts for you guys because there's about to be a lot of things here. All right. Before we turn to the scriptures to learn about courage, I'm going to read you six attributes of courage that were recently published by Psychology Today. Now, I know this, we're going to get to the Bible. Don't worry. But I want you to listen to these things first, okay? And as I read them, listen to them and see which one feels most like courage to you. Which one of these things feels most like courage to you? And there's not a right or wrong answer because they're all courage, okay? So attributes of courage. Number one, feeling fear and yet choosing to act, right? So you're afraid of something, but you do it anyways. That could be one definition of courage. Number two, following your heart. Following your heart, which means being yourself, being your truest self, doing the thing in your heart that you know to do, right? Number three, persevering in the face of adversity, right? We, we definitely feel like that's a courageous thing to do. All the epic stories are about persevering in the face of adversity, right? Number four, standing up for what is right. Standing up for what is right. That, that's courage for sure. Number five, letting go of the familiar. That in itself can be courage. And then number six, facing suffering with dignity or faith. You think of the martyrs that we've learned about through the years. That takes a lot of courage, facing suffering with dignity or faith. So I think we could see how courage could be defined as any one of those things, all of those things, right? But today, I'm going to add a number seven. Sorry, psychology today. Um, I'm going to add a number seven, and I think number seven is probably the most beautiful and powerful expression of the courage that comes from living as followers of Jesus Christ, right? Because there's a, another piece of our courage that can't be found without that reality. So... Number seven, our definition of courage for today is trusting Christ within us and acting on the leading of his spirit. Trusting Christ within us and acting on the leading of his spirit. I believe that is the true definition of courage. So we're going to look at the scriptures a bit today to unpack why I think that's the definition. So let's look at one of the most beautiful scriptures about courage that we've all read many times. It's found in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Some versions say, be bold and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So God is with us, right? We've learned that. He goes before us, and we have no need to fear because he will not forsake us. So we can be bold, strong, powerful, as Brett taught us about a couple weeks ago, 
and we can also be courageous. The word courageous is a different word. We're going to study about it in a minute. But in order to study about it, we're going to look at the story of Peter. Okay, now you guys know the story of Peter, but we're going to read it just so we can all be refreshed on the story. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. Now the he in the story is Jesus, and he's just finished feeding the 5,000. So it's kind of been a big day for him, okay? So he's saying, go on, get in the boats, go to the other side, and I'll dismiss the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. And he said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. He did it. He was walking on the water. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. And he cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. And then he said, faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus, saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. So that's the story of Peter walking on the water. So we're going to learn six lessons about that story today. Lesson number one, a feeling of fear always comes before a choice of courage. A feeling of fear always comes before a choice of courage. If you look back in, in the story, it says, Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea, and the wind came against them, and they were battered by the waves. And four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water, and they were scared out of their wits, it says. And they thought it was a ghost, right? He was, they were crying out in terror. So these disciples are terrified. That's how they're feeling in that moment, right? Not only are they on the water in the midst of a storm, but then they think a ghost is walking towards them. That's pretty terrifying. I've been seeing some scary experiences in my life, but that, that rates up there is pretty scary. But here's the deal. Fear is always a setup for courage. Fear is always a setup for courage, right? So maybe one thing we can do with our fear when we notice it is to realize this is an opportunity for courage, okay? And remember what courage, what we're saying courage is today? Trusting Christ in us and acting on where he's asking us to go. So lesson number one, a feeling of fear always comes before a choice of courage. Lesson number two, the comfort of Christ paves the way for our courage. Now, don't miss this one, okay? Don't miss this one. Jesus was quick to comfort them, it says in verse 27. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. 
courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Let's look at this word courage when he says it here in this verse. The Greek is tharseo, which means to be of good courage. But it means bolstered because you are warmed up, emboldened from within. Properly, bolstered within, which supports unflinching courage. Literally, catch this one, to radiate warm confidence. To radiate warm confidence. For the believers, tharseo is the result of the Lord infusing his strength by the inworking of faith. And showing this bold courage means living out of the inner confidence that is spirit-produced. So when I'm saying the definition of courage is trusting the spirit of God in us and then acting where that spirit is leading, that's this tharseo feeling. It's not, it's not actually a feeling. It's the spirit of God in us, right? It's the spirit of God in us producing that radiating warm confidence of what the action is that we need to what a beautiful picture of courage, radiating warm confidence. I love that. It's not recklessness. It's not foolishness. It's not fearlessness. It's not only boldness, but it's radiating the spirit of Christ within us. And our courage is an overflow of that spirit. When the disciples saw Jesus, his comfort and his presence is what ushered in their courage. When he said to them, courage, it's me don't be afraid. That presence of Jesus is what brought Peter's courage, okay? So I would like to invite all of us towards something today, and if you don't get anything else from this message, maybe you can get this. Maybe I can get this. I think a lot of us are struggling right now with choices. Choices about school, choices about work, Choices about how we show up to all these conversations that are going on in our world right now. And we may be asking ourselves, what is the courageous choice here? What is the courageous choice about these things? And my encouragement is if you're not sure about that answer, then I would encourage you to pause. I would encourage you to pause because the spirit of Christ in us is what leads us to courage, right? So pause. Go back to the still place and listen and wait until you can hear the voice of Jesus saying, courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. And when we hear that voice, we will radiate the warm confidence of knowing what the choice is that we need to make. Lesson number three. Jesus calls us to make bold, courageous choices that follow his example. And that's what we see from Peter, right? Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come ahead, right? Peter felt that courage and that boldness. And Jesus said, come ahead, come to me. Here I am, come to me. Now, Peter is always the bold one, right? But what kind of warm radiance must have lit within him when Jesus said, come? When Jesus said, come, he knew. Jesus has just asked me to walk on this water. What kind of warm radiance right in the midst of that storm must he have felt, right? Trusting Christ and acting on the leading of his spirit, right? And he will never call us to a place where he hasn't already gone and isn't there right in that moment. That's where Jesus was. He had already done it and he was standing right there 
calling Peter to come. And that's what he does. Come ahead, he says. Now, lesson number four. I hope you get this one too. I hope I get this one. This is the one I really need to get. Lesson number four. Courage doesn't guarantee victory. Courage doesn't guarantee victory. And this is where it gets tough, you guys, because this would be a totally cool story if Jesus said, come ahead, Peter, walk on the water. And Peter walked out on the water all the way to Jesus, grabbed his hand, and they walked back to the boat together, and that was the end of the story, right? Then Peter would have done what he set out to do. That's not what happens. He sinks in the water, in the waves, right? It's more like my hydroplaning story, completely out of control, rescued only by the mercy of Jesus, right? But this is why I love this story so much, because it separates the beauty of courage from the outcome of that courage. It separates the beauty of the courage itself, that moment of radiating warm confidence when Jesus says, come ahead, from the outcome of what actually happens when he does come ahead, right? Because Peter did walk on the water for a while. It, it was a victory in the moment. He trusted Jesus, and he took the action, and that was courageous. But then he got distracted. He took his eyes off Jesus, right? And he looked around at the scary things that were happening around him, and he lost that warm, radiating confidence because he got distracted, and he sunk. And his courage was not enough to save him. The courage isn't what saved him. Our courage in and of itself will never be enough to save us. And yet, maybe the failure of what he was trying to accomplish led to an even bigger victory because it led to a deeper trust in Jesus' ability to save even when we do fail, even when we do get distracted and take our eyes off of him, right? Remember what courage is, trusting Christ and acting on the leading of his spirit. You know, I am personally terrified of failure. I'm terrified of it. It is one of my deepest fears for sure. And sometimes when I'm trying to make a courageous choice, I define the courageous choice as the one in which I will not fail. (laughs) That shall be the courageous choice, right? And I tell myself, Christ only ever leads to victory, so I have to find the choice that will lead to victory, and then I will choose courage, right? But that's not how God promises it. Right? He does promise us victory, but his definition of victory is not always our definition of victory. Right? He doesn't promise that we won't fail. He promises to be with us. He promises to be with us. Jesus told Peter, come ahead. He didn't say, I won't let you fall. He just said, come ahead. Right? So what if we didn't define our courageous choice? by what we can see as a victory, but rather simply by what we feel, the spirit of Christ, the warm, confident radiance is guiding us towards. Because here's the truth. Peter did take his eyes off Jesus, but Jesus never took his eyes off Peter, right? And the victory that he promises is much bigger than the victory that Peter is looking for or that I'm looking for or that any of us are looking for. So let's think about this quote from N.D. Wilson. Sometimes standing against evil is more important than defeating it. The greatest heroes stand because it is right to do so. 
not because they believe they will walk away with their lives. Such selfless courage is a victory in itself. There is victory in courage, even if it's not the victory that we think we're shooting for. And if we're confused about where the Spirit is leading us in these choices, then we look for Jesus. Where is Jesus in our decision? How would Jesus respond to this situation? How do we walk towards shalom and peace and wholeness and justice and mercy and truth and grace? How do we display love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Because if we move towards those things, that is the leading of the Spirit of God in us, right? And while it might look like a failure on paper, it is always a victory. Lesson number five. Jesus doesn't hesitate to rescue us, even when our courage wavers. That's what the scripture says in verse 31. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and he grabbed his hand, right? Peter's gaze slips in the story. He, uh, he has his eyes fixed on Jesus and then he looks back at the storm. It was, I guarantee it was that fast of a moment as it was for me driving in that car. I will build my life on your promises. You're a firm foundation oh, it's raining, oh, I'm out of control and spinning. Like, it's that fast of a moment where our gaze can shift, where our focus can shift, right? He looks at the scary things, and he takes his eyes off Jesus, but Jesus does not take his eyes off Peter, right? And he didn't hesitate to reach out and save him. It wasn't the measure of Peter's courage that saved him. It was the measure of God's goodness. And that's how it is with us. It's not the measure of our courage that will save us. It's God's goodness every time, right? So we're going to go epic for a moment. So sorry. You can blame Pastor Benjamin for this because he's the one that reminded me of this scene. Okay, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's The Hobbit. So it's slightly different. Okay, same story. But this is actually from the movie. Um, it's, uh, John Eldridge wrote about this, so I'm actually going to read John Eldridge's words about this scene because they're powerful and beautiful and good. So we've got dragons today, people, so listen. It's very beautiful. There's a beautiful scene in the third of the Hobbit trilogy films, the Battle of the Five Armies. The dwarves and Bilbo have awakened the dragon Smaug from his slumbers. The beast is enraged that anyone would dare challenge his stolen kingdom. Lashing out with indiscriminate violence, Smog swoops down upon the unsuspecting village of Lake Town, breathing fire and death with every pass. In moments, the wooden township is engulfed in flames. The whole town is burning because this dragon is attacking, okay? And one man dares to rise against him, the bowman Bard. And while the hamlet rages and the rest of the townsfolk flee, Bard climbs to the top of the bell tower and begins to fire arrows at the dragon. Right? But the armor of Smaug is impenetrable, save only by a black arrow from the elder days. Bard's son, Bane, knows this. He knows where the last black arrow hides. And as Bard takes his final shot and the wooden arrow bounces off the dragon's armor, Bane appears in the tower with what might be a miracle. Smaug detects the movement and while the inferno that was once Lake Town rages all around him, the scaled malice turns his full attention on the two figures in the tower. Is that your child? 
the bloody monster says, and he licks his lips as he advances. You cannot save him from the fire. He will burn. Now the father and son are working together, and Bard is using Bane's shoulder as a rest while he aims the black arrow for one chink in Smog's armor. And Smog is coming on with dreadful finality. And he says, tell me, wretch, how do you now challenge me? You have nothing left but your death. The dragon's roar shakes the timbers and the marrow in their bones. He is coming, like on the day of judgment. And Bane, the boy, turns to look at the monster. And then a calm, reassuring voice says, Bane, look at me. You look at me. And the boy turns his gaze from the nightmare to his father's loving face. And my heart sees myself in him, the answer to all my fears. I've watched this scene several times now, and I think of Jesus. That was the secret to his prayers. In the feeding of the 5,000, it says Jesus took the fish and the loaves, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And when he stands before Lazarus's tomb preparing to raise him, it says, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Now, Jesus is not looking up like a man trying to recall something he just forgot. He looks up to heaven to fix his attention on his father's loving face. He is or orienting himself to what is most true, most true in the world, not the impossibly inadequate resources for the need of the 5,000. Not the fact that Lazarus was dead. Not the dragon flying towards him about to breathe fire and burn the world down, right? He fixes his gaze upon his father God and the resources of the kingdom. It's human nature to look at the problem before us. The crisis that has caused us to pray. But the problem is that the, it is the exact thing we should not be looking at. We must look from the debris to God. When Peter looks at Christ, he can walk on the water. And when he looks at the waves, he goes down. This is the heart of this story, right? This is the heart of the story. We turn our eyes to him. And then comes lesson number six. Witnessing God's response to our courage teaches more about his love. What happens next is that the two of them climb in the boat and the winds die down and the disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, say, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Something changes about their perspective of Jesus in witnessing this story. And imagine, imagine how Peter feels in this story, right? They were changed forever because of it. So think about this. Our fears are an opportunity for courage and our courage is an opportunity to witness the love of the Father. Our fears are an opportunity to trust the Spirit of Christ in us and act on where he is leading us and that choice allows us to witness the love of the Father which is the thing that conquers the fear, right? It's the love of the Father. It isn't the courage that conquers the fear, it's the love every time. So when he calls us out on the water, whether we sink or whether we swim, 
right? It doesn't make a difference. Or whether we walk right on top of it. What matters is that he called us and we came. What matters is that we look at him instead of looking at our fear. What matters is less about the degree of our courage and more about the completeness of his love. So what about us today? What about us today? What fears that we are facing are an opportunity for courage? What places is the Father calling you to walk out on the water, to trust him, and to take the action of his spirit within you? Remember today that your courage is an opportunity to witness his love. It doesn't even matter if you sink. It doesn't even matter if you fail. Your courage in trusting the voice of Jesus within you and acting on it is an opportunity for his love every time. The band can come up. I'm going to close us out today with a psalm. And it's a psalm that's being prayed right in the midst of some very deep, deep fear. It's a psalm that I pray when things are pretty tough. It's, it's right in that moment. This, these words are right in that moment when we look out on the water and we see the waves about to overtake us. That's when this psalm was written. But it's also a psalm filled with courage. And it's a prayer that chooses to look to God in full trust that he is faithful. And it, it's a psalm that is poised to take action on the leading of his spirit. So let's read it today. Psalm 130. Help, God. The bottom has fallen out of my life. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen hard. Open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that's why you're worshipped. I pray to God, my life a prayer. I'll wait for what he'll say and do. My life's on the line before God, my Lord, waiting and watching till morning. Waiting and watching till morning. Israel, church, wait and watch for God. With God's arrival comes love. With God's arrival comes generous redemption.